All right. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, November 22nd, 2014, and this is Stem Seeds show number eight. And this is Wes Fryer coming to you from an unusual place in a downtown church in Oklahoma City because I've just dropped my daughter off for her dance uh, practice. Um, but uh, welcome to Stem Seeds, and we're going to just kind of go around and have everyone tell tell where they are, and then we'll kind of preview our show and, and get started. And hopefully we'll have a few live viewers, but even if we don't, we're sure we're going to have plenty to talk about. So I'll pass it to you, Amy. Okay, I'm Amy Leffelholtz, and I'm here in Yukon as well. I'm from a not unusual location. I'm at my home, and so um, I teach at Lakeview, which is a 4-5 center, and I'm the STEM teacher. And I totally blew that and didn't say the same thing, that I teach 4th and 5th grade STEM as well in Yukon, and um, Amy's, um, we'd like to say partner in crime, but I think we've only seen each other maybe four times in person this semester, even though we literally are maybe you know, two minutes drive uh, between us. So that's why we are here in large part is so that we can collaborate and, and get to share ideas. And we're excited to be joined by our guests. So Bethany, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are. Hi, folks. I am Bethany Ligon, and I am from Apache Junction, Arizona, where I teach science to 7th and 8th graders. And I've been doing that for 18 years now and love every minute of it. Well, almost every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, how are your schools organized, Bethany? Is, is your 7-8 campus um, separate and you have K-6 schools, or how are you all set up? Right. We currently have four elementaries that are K-6, and then we have the one junior high and then one high school. Okay. Junior high is 7-8. So what are the science courses that you teach now, and, and then what, um, what have you taught before as a science teacher? I have actually spent my entire career teaching 8th um, grade science. Uh, this is my third year teaching seventh grade, and um, all in the same district. Uh, seventh grade, currently, we've just finished up astronomy, and we're moving into earth structures, and from there going to rocks and minerals, and then we'll end the year with some um, ecology concepts. And then eighth grade, we started off the year with a continuation of the ecology concepts and heredity, and now we've just started our chemistry unit which will take us to after uh, the winter break, and then we'll end the year with physics. So, okay. And then adoption to forces in motion. Now, is that pretty scripted for you as far as what you do when, or do you have how much autonomy do you have in terms of what you do in your curriculum and when you do it? Right. Um, we have a pretty close-knit uh, science department. There's five of us. Uh, we have two other teachers that teach seventh grade and two other teachers that teach eighth grade, and I'm the one that does both grade levels. And um, and we work very well together, and we do we've come up with a curriculum map that works for us um, in both grade levels. And the um, what we're doing is pretty in sync, but the how we're doing it um, when administrators walk in could look different. But a lot of times it's the same thing, especially with the seventh grade team. Okay. So, um, but we do a lot of we do have time to collaborate pretty frequently. Um, at least a couple times a month. <clears throat> and, That's great. Yeah, and even yesterday morning I was out on duty, and one of the other seventh grade teachers was saying, okay, this is what, you know, we're doing. And I said, okay, you know, I'm game with that, So, because I had a couple of questions. And so, you know, even at 645 in the, you know, 40-degree weather, we're, we're talking about what's going on in That's our right. conference. That's right. Collaborate at any moment. So, yeah. hey, we do have a viewer who's tuned in, and if uh, as we get going here into our our topics, if you'd like to post a question, I think this may be the first time we've actually gotten the question and answer little whatever feature module turned on. So I think you can submit questions, and then we'll be able to to see those. So um, I think let's just kind of uh, start by talking a little bit as far as a catch up on what we've been doing in our classroom. Lately, I know that Amy's been doing a large project, um, and she's repeated that with her kids, and we talked a lot about that the last time we got together in person. I think that was about a month ago. Um, uh, I'll, I'll go first, just as, um, kind of as an update. We So my situation, I have 300 kids a semester, and I see them every other day, and this year I've been doing a rotation where students are either half of them with me in what I call our learning lab because I have two classrooms or they're in what we're calling the maker studio, which is a second classroom that has five different centers. 
Some of those have changed. Some of them have stayed the same throughout the year. Um, the Rube Goldberg station has, has stayed the same. The green screen station has stayed the same. The Minecraft EDU station has changed the same, although what we've done with that, I've, I've modified. Um, we've got a Sphero station with the robotic balls that they drive and, you know, build mazes for them to go through. And that, we, we got three on a Donors Choose grant about uh, two months ago, which has been great. One of them is not working right now, and I've got to figure, figure out what's going on with that. The big change is I, I switched the music station into a Lego stop-motion station, um, and so they've, they've been enjoying that a lot. Um, I, the last two weeks, um, we have been doing an e-book project, which we just wrapped up yesterday, and we, I, I feel so... Not guilty, but I, 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 I'm kind of ashamed that I didn't teach how to make ebooks last year with my kids at all because only a, a handful, I'd say less than, less than 10 kids out of the 300 had ever done that before. But, but when we're not doing that same kind of cycle, we all have gone to the computer lab to do some activities and we are, um, we were doing a design challenge. We, we have a question that came in actually on the chat. I assume you're doing design challenges. So yeah, we do mix up some design challenges and, and for instance, we did prosthetic hands for our last act, for our, our last group and we're about to do, I'm getting scattered. We did catapults and we're about to do prosthetic hands. Anyway, we did a whole class activity for about a week. It was a three lesson cycle where we did a Minecraft geometry challenge. And so the kids have just created ebooks where they have at, at, at least had four different pages of their ebook, but it was to help him articulate what, how they calculated perimeter and area. And in fourth and fifth grade, we really struggle a lot with, with all of that. So anyway, that's what we've been doing lately. Um, Monday and Tuesday, we just have a two-day week. Of course, next week, we'll start a new cycle of Maker Studio, and our next lesson cycle is prosthetic hands, which Amy and I uh, did together. Amy's done prosthetics before with kids, and this will be my first time to do that. So um, it's, I feel like I'm doing less this year than ever in terms of the quantity of curriculum, but the kids are, are loving the Maker Studio, and they're having so much more time to, you know, build, create, hypothesize, try different things, document what they're doing, that I feel like that's very successful. But if you look at the number of units we've covered in the semester, it's far, you know, less. So anyway, mm -hmm. that's probably more than I needed to say. But um, Amy, how about you? What's an, what's an update for what's been going on lately in your classroom? Well, we are still making playgrounds. <laughs> uh, one of the, the units that we've been working on, and the way it works for me, I have uh, half of the kids at a time, but I have them for a nine weeks at a time. So actually, I'm repeating what I did first quarter right now. And then after Christmas, I'll have the kiddos that I had first quarter again, and I'll do new curriculum. Um, so what we've been doing is we actually are going to be raising money to put new equipment on our playground. Our school um, was, a, was a middle school, and then they made it a 4-5 center, and they didn't really give us any playground for our fourth and fifth graders to play on, and we need that. So my kids have actually been looking at playground equipment, thinking about it. They've had to sketch it. Then they've had to write, like, descriptions, writing about how, why kids would think it's fun to play on. And then they're building it to scale right now, which is the scariest part of all. We've talked about how big it's going to be, and then I have actually a grid, and I explain to them, you know, one square is one square foot, and so we have to think about, you know, if it's 30 feet long and 10 feet wide, that is the hardest part of this project because they make these amazing things out of toilet paper rolls and popsicle sticks and pipe cleaners and all this awesome equipment, but then it's not anywhere near what we've said it was going to be. So some of them really are doing a great job, and some of them I have to pick my battles because the fact is they may never understand the scale part of it. And that's okay. They're fourth and fifth graders. They've already done an amazing amount of math and budgeting and planning to get to this point. So the building is like the cream on top of the pie that they are so excited to get to do with this project. And um, I I just can't, sometimes I can't fight with the kids too much more. You know, like I can help only as much as I can help. And we, I don't want to do it for them. So they, mm -hmm. it is an amazing project. The kids last nine weeks just blew me away with how awesome their projects were. 
and we've chosen the top two projects from last nine weeks. Um, and I made actually a little video that we, I had I had tweeted out, I think, or West. I just put it in the showcase, so hopefully people can see that. I don't know if it's clickable, but we'll put that link in our show notes. Yeah, it was like the top two playgrounds from last nine weeks, and it baffles me that fourth and fifth graders made those playgrounds. They are so awesome. But I'm also doing an after-school club, and so that's where the difference in what I'm getting to do right now happens. And so I've been doing a STEM club on Tuesdays with um, – I have 13 kiddos in there, half boys, half girls, or roughly half and half. We've done some Lego Mindstorms, and then the other day I gave them a whole list of apps because I don't have a maker space the way that Wes does. We, I have one big classroom, and so we all do the same thing at one time. Um, but I gave this group of 13 kiddos a list of apps on the iPad to play with, from Video Star to Lego Stop Motion to uh, iMovie, even um, Show Me and Explain Everything. And I said, I need you to make something uh, before we leave today. I want you to make something for us. And I didn't, I didn't give them any, you know, structured parameters other than I want you to use one of these apps and make something for us. And so that was great for me because I don't know about all of those apps. And so the kids do. They, they've used them, and, or else if not, they've really played with them and found out. And some of them did some super cool stuff in Lego Movie Maker. I'm trying to figure out how to get the projects off of the iPads currently so I can showcase them on my YouTube channel and tweet them out. Been doing that, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> but, and there was like one girl who my one of the other teachers and I were looking at Video Star and trying to watch the tutorial video on it, and I was like, "This is way too hard to use." No, <laughs> one of the students picked it up, and she's like, "Watch Miss Holtz, click, 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 start singing along, making this awesome music video." And then I was like, "This is why I have the kids do this because I looked at that and thought that's entirely yeah. too hard." She played with it enough that she just knew it was easy to use and did it. So that I think is part of why I'm enjoying the STEM club so much, and although I've bogarted the conversation for a moment, sorry, uh, but I, I'm i learning, of course, again, I'm learning so much from the kids, and that is part of why I love the job that we do, because I think I have great ideas, and then the kids always make it even better than what I had even imagined it could be. So, anyway. <laughs> and here's, a, here's a question from one of our uh, live viewers. Um, do you do a lot of documentation of your students' processes or and or do students do that? How do you have students document their process, specifically with this um, playground unit that you're doing? Well, the documenting the process, we actually have a STEM notebook that has all of their recording sheets in there. So before we were ever able to start building with the popsicle sticks and pipe cleaners, the kids had to decide on six pieces of equipment and they had to make sketches in their notebook. And then they had to write the descriptions of each piece of equipment. And so that's in paragraph form in their notebooks. And then we had, um, they had to figure out the cost of the equipment by doing the dimensions. And they had to do area and perimeter and then use that to find the cost. Then we did budgeting. And so I have all of those pages are in their notebooks. So there is written documentation of the whole planning process that they've kept up with. And then, um, of course, the final product is the playground board that they do as a group, but they've worked individually, they've worked as a group the whole time, but each person is held accountable for writing that stuff down. And that's actually a stipulation that if you didn't help your group plan and you don't have the information in your notebook, you don't get to build till you catch up. Right. So, uh, you know, even if that means you're copying out of a friend's notebook because it's what the group decided on anyway, that's okay, but until you've done your amount of planning and your amount of having your stuff written down, you can't build. And so that really kind of keeps even those kids who weren't originally engaged, once we get to the building stage, everybody becomes super engaged, and it makes them have this amazing speed of being able to copy all of that stuff down that they never had before. So just because they really want to get to be able to build too. So I hope That's that answers awesome. that question. Well, I was telling Amy, I think she ought to write, we have so much free time, you know, write, write this up for Edutopia. It's like the ideal project-based learning, practical, hey, we're impacting our school, our community. Mm-hmm. But you know, what were the name of those circular things that you took out to measure the playground? What's that? Those oh, things? the trundle wheels. Trundle wheels, yeah. I mean, measuring, having kids get a concept of, so you're saying how many kids are going to be sitting in this, you know, four-by-four four space and just, yeah, that's... Well, and that's one of the things we've really talked about is what's a reasonable size. You know, they have to plan. Their playground has to 
ha- have enough stuff for 40 kids to do is what I've told them. And wow. so um, we have to talk about it. If you're telling me that this rock wall is going to hold eight kids and it's three foot by three foot, we've got to talk about how big that really is. So I've used a lot of things in my room as benchmarks. You know, the tables are this big. The computer cubbies are this big to kind of make them actually put kids in that space and see if that would be a feasibility for that many kids to play there. So, right. But yeah. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about playground. No, no, that's okay. We wanted to catch up, though, on what, where, where we've been, what we've been doing. So, well, Bethany, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing lately. I think you did, are you finishing up astronomy now with your seventh graders? Uh, yeah, we finished up uh, last week, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, seasons. And so they were using a lot of, um, online simulation models, just trying to get their heads wrapped around that concept. Um, they, even at being 12 years old, uh, they still have a hard time visualizing that the moon is revolving around Earth, and at the same time, you know, it's rotating, and Earth is rotating and revolving around the sun, and, and just how that all impacts together with the phases of the moon, and then tides, and eclipses as well, and so we do a lot of um, kinesthetic modeling where they're up and around and moving or I'm moving around and they're having to identify different stages um, or they're doing online simulations just to, again, get their heads wrapped around s- such a big concept. Sure. Um, now, do you have a website where you have those linked and what's your, what's your technology situation like in your classroom? Um, we are one-to-one and so we have uh, Chromebook carts in our classrooms. Um, and then for a platform, each teacher has their own school website. And so that's the place where I do all the links where students can access um, all the information. And um, it's available to anyone who has the, the link that they can go to and see and um, what it is that we're doing, too. So, But it is through the district. And um, so that's how they access every, all the technology that, um, that I'm incorporating in the lessons. So, um, because we, go ahead. Any favorite um, simulation websites that stand out or ones that you really think are exceptional? For for the astronomy ones, I think it's McGraw-Hill has a a couple of pretty good um, simulations for phases of the moon and um, seasons. And it allows students to manipulate and change uh, variables so they can see the effect of, on the seasons when they can change the access and tilt, so they can see that if it's at a zero degree tilt, mm. then, then the, the seasons don't change. You know, everywhere it is, it's exactly the same. But if you change yeah. it to a 90 degree tilt, then what is that? You know, so and everything in between. So that's kind of interesting for them to, oh, okay, so that's what our 23 degree tilt does for us. So. Wow. Did you all end up talking at all about the comet landing and stuff uh, that was just happening? Right. We um, talked about it a little bit. Uh, it, it was more discussed in their social studies class. Uh, they watch CNN student news every day. And so they were um, they were getting it there, and then they were I was asking them about it. And um, I had heard, I hadn't seen the broadcast that they had watched, but um, I, I was asking questions just to make sure that they were comprehending what was happening and just the impact of what it meant for um, for us, you know, as just, you know, scientists in the classroom and, and what kinds of questions do you think that scientists are going to be asking and wanting to get the answers to based on this accomplishment? Yeah, I mean, and for that to be a 10-year mission, if people are familiar with this, I mean, it's been in the mainstream press, but um, a 10-year mission to send, you know, a craft to actually land on a comet and do a Armageddon-style drill into it to you know, find out about the origin of the of the solar system and the universe. <laughs> it's just crazy. Right. Wow. Well, I mean, that's as old as your students, right? And, and my students were four, or not mm-hmm. four, well, yeah, my eighth graders were four, but, you know, my seventh graders were maybe three or two years old when, you know, it took off. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's just, that just blows their minds. I mean, they have no concept of time anyway, so um, it's, it's, it's interesting to have that conversation with them. Okay. Well, I want to uh, shift and talk a little bit about engineering design challenges because that was one of the things that I had heard Bethany talk about, and I see on your blog you've been posting some different yes, posts. Yes, I've been trying. <laughs> yes, no, that's so awesome. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about how you 
uh, use engineering design and, and then maybe a little bit about some of your favorites. And I'll, I've, I'll take those links um, from your site and I, I think I can showcase them here within our Hangout. And I'll include those links in our show notes as well. Okay. Um, well, the, my wanting to start doing something like this was based off of just being introduced to the next generation science standards and seeing an emphasis on uh, the design part and using models and engineering things, um, which is so different than our current state standards. And uh, our state standards are heavily um, concentrated on still the scientific method and just that very step-by-step-by-step process, which is not what scientists do, you know, in the real world is, you know, they don't formulate a hypothesis. And the next thing that, I mean, it's a very random how, I don't want to say random, but they don't always follow it's little, that. It's messier. That it's not as yeah. linear as all that. Yeah, it's messier. And so, um, so we still, obviously, because it's standards and it is still science, to talk about um, asking questions and, and um, testing variables. But I wanted the, you know, design part to, to be incorporated in my instruction, at least occasionally. Um, because what I was noticing was that uh, students um, are not tenacious enough to see something through sometimes. And they, if it, they don't get it the first time, they're quick to give up. Yeah. And, um, and so I wanted to create activities where they could have fun and it would be low pressure, but it would still exercise their creativity. And it would still be challenging enough where they knew that they could do it, but not too easy enough where it's like, oh, they didn't even, you know, they could get it on the first try. I wanted them to practice persistence. And so many of my challenges are not related to the content curriculum that's going on the rest of the week. Um, but I think that's okay because... It's just they they like when are we gonna um, have fun again? That's what they call that's what they call them. You know when are we gonna play games? I'm like it's not a game, it's a design challenge. And they're like no, it's a game. And I'm like okay, call it whatever you want, but you know you're having fun it's and you're all experience where they're losing track of time and they don't realize all the things right. they're doing. Right. So um, so even though it's they're not always directly related to the content, um, just the, them to build that muscle of persistence, I think, is probably one of the most um, lifelong skills that I'm trying to teach them. So uh, so that's why I started them. And I just, like I think I mentioned in the uh, 2.0, Classroom 2.0 webinar, is that uh, I just search the, I search Pinterest a lot. Um, I search, you know, just Googling stuff, you know, engineering design challenges and, um one uh, site that has a lot of good good ideas is the um, PBS uh, channel, um, oh, goodness. Design Squad? Yes, them. I think you just had a, a brain fart right there. But uh, Design Squad, yeah, they have a lot of good ideas. That, um, I've taken some of theirs and used them and modified them a bit. Um, and then also just on Pinterest, a lot of them are um, – the teachers that are posting there on Teachers Pay Teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I look and see what they're doing, and a lot of them are for elementary, lower-level um, students than what I'm teaching, so I have to think of ways that I can ramp up the level of difficulty um, for students. And sometimes it's just increasing the requirements of, instead of some, like if they're building a bridge, then instead of it being six inches apart, well, okay, you have to do eight to ten inches apart or something like that. And um, so how are you going to use the materials that you're given to to accomplish that. Hey, Bethany, mm -hmm. have you heard of the website engineeringgoforit.com? I have not, but I'm going to write that down. Yeah, you need to write that down because like Teachers Pay Teachers, it has things. These are all free, though, and you can search by your grade level. Ooh. And okay. so it offers, it connects to websites like teachengineering.org, and it, it connects to several different websites. Basically, it's kind of a landing pad for a lot of those different engineering lessons. But mm -hmm. through that, and you can actually sign up um, for, and it has stuff from Design Squad Nation and stuff on there, too. That's where I found out about Design Squad as well. Yeah, uh, yeah it's engineeringgoforit.com. And it, because you're an older teacher, um, a teacher of older students, you know where I was going with <laughs> 
it also has on there, like, they can learn about all the different types of engineers that are out there. And I think that is an important thing as well when we start to talk about kids and career opportunities. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't realize there were so many different types of engineers. My goodness. You know, there's probably 20 or more. And then there's actually, the first year I taught STEM, there's a a worksheet that you can actually print out, not that you all want to do worksheets, but there's a worksheet that you can print out, and they actually have to look at all the different types of engineers and kind of match up what that engineer does. So it might be a landing, you know, a good idea for a conversation. Right, right. Now that you said that, um, sciencebuddies.org, I think, also has a similar uh, list of uh, types of scientists and engineers and what they do. So, um, so that might be another resource that you just check into if you have not heard of that before. But it's one of the things that I think Wes and I do a great job of is really getting the kids on fire for science and engineering and even you know and technology and thinking outside of the box. But mm-hmm. that's not always followed through with in our middle schools and high school here. And so, um, I, I want to do everything I can to plant those seeds so that even if they're not having as much fun as you're having with your <laughs> you know, and playing all the games with them, yeah. at least they remember that it could be something that was interesting and it doesn't always have to be just what's in the book. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we're working towards as well. Absolutely. Hey, and we're kind of sharing, this is all, this is awesome, kind of uh, Geek of the Week links or just there's different links. We'll include these in the show notes. <clears throat> but uh, a few weeks ago I had a chance to go to a conference in Miami and uh, Miami Device, and this was probably... This was definitely one of the, the neatest links. It's a website called Nepris. I just put it in the showcase. It's N-E-P-R-I-S, nepris.com. And their whole thing is connecting their professionals in the field to classrooms okay. you know, all over the place. So you can use their website to um, you know, access webinars and stuff, but then you can, you can um, actually, as far as, and I haven't done this yet, you know, get people to connect and talk, come talk to your kids. Uh, so I just, I, I think that whole, that's a real untapped part of digital technology now. We've got smartphones, we can Google Hangout, we can FaceTime. <clears throat> and, you know, our schools aren't set up a lot of times to be really flexible with all of that. But anyway, maybe I should set that up as a goal for myself to try to do one of those. You know, a couple of years ago, Amy and our former STEM teacher at our school did, did an awesome, you know, community outreach thing with a prosthetic unit where local folks, you know, who were, are involved in building prosthetics, veterans. I mean, it was just this really great connection of the real world, but also the careers, you know. So those are good resources. And we actually, Wes, I'll let you know... Um, I'm going to be having them come and talk to our school as well this year. Oh, you are? Good. Fourth and fifth grade. And so either if we could, if I can maybe get in contact with the crew that's coming to me. Yes. Greg Reynolds, you know, our, the head, top watchdog, he's who helps me get that set up. Will that be second semester or first semester? It'll be during second semester. Yeah, that'll be great. That's when we're all doing prosthetics. And basically what it's going to be is I've in the past we've done it over several presentations we're going to do at max two presentations, maybe one for the fourth grade and one for the fifth grade, and then let them come in and talk about either a upper extremities or lower extremities and kind of talk about it like that. But I'll let you know, and if nothing else, I could video it and share that with you. What, and not on a related issue, we're kind of going down rabbit holes here, but one of our students who um, was born without a hand, Mm-hmm. Uh, this week was getting some kind of a special advanced prosthetic. I didn't get to see it yesterday, and I was out two days. But anyway, that is that is super cool, and we don't we don't have any 3D printers yet. But all, all of those kind of connections are are great, good good things. So Bethany, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more as far as the you you the posts on the design challenge. You got your pipe cleaner structures and then yep. the straw structures. Mm-hmm. I think when I saw the straw structures, when you saw, I said, "I'm doing that," you know, because that's one of those <laughs> things that doesn't it doesn't take that much stuff as far as equipment. Um, either that one or another one. Do you want to kind of talk us through um, what you do 
how you successfully facilitate that uh, for students. I mean, one of the things I've found is less me, more them, you know, trying to be less directive and prescriptive. But how do you want to pick one and then just kind of talk a little bit about some tips or lessons learned for how you facilitate those successfully for students? Um, sure, I'll try. I, I um, Once I figure out what it is that I'm doing, I um, just post on my projector the their investigative question, the materials that they're going to be given, and um, and their constraints. And they pretty, one of the constraints is that they pretty much have anywhere between 30 and 25 minutes to get it done. And um, just because of our curriculum schedule, I don't have a lot of time to spend more than one day on it um, because I feel like I'm already um, sacrificing time to do this. And so, uh, but I feel it's worth it. Um, so it has to be done in that amount of time. And then if they want to spend um, more time doing it, then they have to do it on their own. And that's just something that is uh, reinforced um, at the get-go when I'm introducing it at the beginning of the class period. And then really, it's them. I give them the materials, and they just go for it. Um, and they are getting into more of if it's, um, if it's a tower that they're building or a bridge that they're building, then it's, um, they have to, I'll show them what their bridge or tower has to support, but I'm not going to give it to them until they're ready for their final testing. And um, so when they're doing their construction and, and their own testing of it, they have to find materials that they have access to in their backpacks that, okay, we think this is what is what she's going to use, you know, math-wise or um, size-wise. And so that's what that's what their testing is. And if you know if they have they want to test their bridge with their phone, then go for it. And if their bridge falls with their phone or it's not sturdy enough, then um, then they know that it's pretty much not going to hold what I am going to ask them to hold. Um, and sometimes I'll do an earthquake test on them. Just you know, I'll shake the table to see how sturdy their tower is or their bridge is. And I'm like, you know, what are you going to do if there's an earthquake? You know, go back and design it again. And that's usually what I do with the students who are done pretty quickly mm -hmm. is I said, okay, you, you met the basic requirement. Now let's do an earthquake test and see, you know, how you could better design um, the structure to, um, to support, to be, to be more sturdy with the same materials that you've been given. Are so, you all using your Chromebooks or other technology to document some of that kind of stuff? Or how does... Does technology fit in uh, at this point um, with the design? They have science notebooks that they are required to bring to class every day, and I just have um, half sheets that they glue into the back of their notebooks that document the question, the materials, and they have to just draw a real quick sketch of their design and then just um, document their results. And, um, and that's one thing that I have been lax in checking um, Honestly, just because with the end of the class period and then the next day, it's just like it's mm -hmm. the checking their documentation is not something that I've been good at holding them accountable for. Um, and so that's something that I know that I need to improve on. But I do, you know, when when I'm testing their structures, I'm like, okay, make sure you fill out your notebook. And, and most of them do that. But um, the quality that I'm getting is probably not as great as if they, you know, um, if I were being more intentional about being looking at it more closely. Yeah, but that's awesome that you're having them do that sketching along with the writing and mm -hmm. you know, you're having them do that at an individual level. That's definitely one of the weaknesses. I mean, I'd like to, I don't know, we could we can do it with paper. We, we, we're we using kid blogs, but it's okay. overwhelming with 300 kids and, yes. you know, 12, 12 <laughs> classes worth to moderate um, you know, I have not been, again, as disciplined as I needed to be, like, every weekend to go in and um, I need an accountability partner to help me, you know, get all my blog posts and comments because I had some kids this week say, I've posted and didn't see, and I was like, sorry, I haven't moderated. But anyway, that's that's really good, and I need, I pro I need to do more of that, too, because I love the whole thing about sketching and having kids draw and with their notes and their own representation of those ideas mm -hmm. and then talking with them. We did last year. We did um, audio boo, and so students learned how to usually take a picture of of something they were doing rather than a sketch, but then audio narrate that. 
And that right. was something that we were able to do in class that was quicker, you know, that they could do at a center. And Audio Boo has changed now to Audio Boom, and I need to experiment with a little bit. But maybe that, that may be something I try to do next next year as well. Even in our maker studio, because my principal, I had my evaluation two weeks ago, um, you know, talking about how I'm getting the kids to really do their reflecting and, you know, think about their thinking and, what you know, what they've tried and just their process. Um, you have to stop them and make them do that because they don't necessarily don't you know automatically do that on their own. They they keep building and keep trying, but they wouldn't stop and reflect about that. So I need to I need to get better about that too. Yeah, there's a lot of storytelling apps that they can um, that kids can have access to. I mean, if you have the iPads and um, that will document their thinking, it will document, I mean, they can take pictures and they can include those types of things um, as, you know, part of their, and then have, you know, have a reflection piece as well. Um, and so the, um, I was at the Arizona Science Teachers Association uh, convention just a couple of weekends ago, and um, edtechinnovators.com had a list of um, different types of apps that students could use for storytelling and just that reflective piece of, you know, what it is that they've been doing. So, right. um, like, all right, so maybe that's the next goal for me to how do I incorporate that into um, into the into the lesson or into the project. Or maybe I just focus on doing it once a quarter or something like that where students have an opportunity to do, to use the technology in a meaningful way and yet still document what it is that they're doing. Right. I want to um, give voice to a question or actually a good comment in the, the Q&A, um, which is that this showcase area where we've got these links, um, I guess if you're viewing the Hangout, you actually have to click the image with the little boxes at the top of the window, and it toggles between Q&A and showcase. So you, if you're viewing, um, I guess you can swap back and forth. But we'll, I'll, I'll try to include all these links in, a, in the show notes that we'll, we'll put on at the end. So that having, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm... I don't slow down enough in the mm -hmm. lessons that we're doing because we're so busy doing things and kids are excited. That's what's been really good about the ebook project. Even though I've, of course, I always have kids who are like, "I'm done, I'm finished." Well, wait a minute, let's take take a look at this. Um, yesterday, what was helpful because there's not enough time to look at everyone's individually is we had kids laying their iPads all out like you know six at a time. And we had a rubric for what they were supposed to have on their initial four pages, and then they could do extra ones. But it was those the chances to have that conversation with kids about what is perimeter? How, how do you explain it? I mean, concept development is really hard, but that is the point at which you realize, okay, you know, we don't have this. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're still getting kids, trying to get kids to write down I mean, we, what they had to do in this project was build in Minecraft a corral that had a perimeter of 24, and they had different dimensions that they could use, and then they had a living room with an area. Anyway, even though they've done that and they've talked about it, I mean, I seriously, this is a, probably a bad admission, but I mean, I bet like half my kids don't <laughs> still, you know, clearly understand on their own how to, I don't know, how to, how to explain perimeter and area. Do you work with your math teachers on campus when you're uh, planning uh, projects for them to do and saying, hey, how can I bridge, you know, what you're doing in your classroom into, into this specialist class? In a small way. I mean, last year I had asked them what geometry concepts would be good for me to reinforce, and that's where the perimeter and area came from. They said we just struggle so much with that. Anything you could do to help, you know, with perimeter and area would be good, but uh, yeah, honestly, we don't have much much time to, to actually collaborate. It would be good to do that more. Um, Amy does such a great job with her documenting, and that's and the lessons I'm copying from her, where she has the students doing budgeting, you know, we, and she calls it, and I do too, the STEM store, so we're about to do our prosthetic hand unit, because I learned that last year just you know, communism doesn't work. You can't just give kids unlimited resources and say, right. be wise and judicious and, you know, thrifty. Yeah. That doesn't work. So having a budget and they, you know, have a limited amount of money and then they get their resources. But then they have to add that up and they multiply and it's like an invoice. And 
I don't know. I mean, those are basic things. Mm-hmm. But when you see kids struggling to do that, you realize how important it is to work on those skills. And again, it's embedded in a meaningful context, and the kids want to do it. I mean, they want to get their stuff. They want to build, you know, and there's consequences for them if they make poor choices or they, you know, aren't happy with their choices. And so, anyway, I, I love that part of having an integrated unit and, you know, I'm glad to talk about this because it encourages me to slow down as well and think about how I'm I'm getting my kids to really reflect on what what they're doing and you know just um, you know and write <laughs> you know write across the curriculum let's write about our engineering design let's write about what we've made. Well, I'm going to jump in for a second, uh, Bethany. Actually, my at my building, the fourth grade teachers, uh, the math and science teachers, have a PLC. And they um, invited me to come. And so I got Mr. Hine, my principal, had a cover for my class for about 20 minutes. So I had 20 minutes to go and visit with them. And um, I do a big measurement unit. I have done a big measurement unit every year to do hands-on measurement because before I was a STEM teacher, I taught fourth and then fifth grade. And I know how much stuff that they are required to know and how much time I had to tell them that none. And so... I try is what my job really to reinforce those measurement standards. Even like Wes was talking about, we take the trundle wheels out to measure the playground. I try to give them real equipment and have them do real measurements. And so they wanted to meet with me to talk about what are the things you cover so we know that um, we need to cover this, basically so we we can cover the same area but do it in a way where we're not doing it the exact same way so the kids can hear it from two different ways. And so that I am blessed in that, that the fourth grade teachers, at least, we have visited about that. The fifth grade teachers, we haven't visited as much, but I know with the fourth grade ones I have. Um, and something else, just as a writing piece, as you were visiting about, um, the kids for our descriptions for the playground equipment, were just they were required to write a paragraph, and I even let it go down to three sentences. They had to answer three questions. And saying a paragraph made them, like, melt down ever so slightly, which makes me sad because they're working fifth graders, and we do have a fifth grade writing test that's coming, and I think how crazy is it that we can't even, yes. And so, like, even to get them to do a capital letter and punctuation and just basic things that I think wouldn't be a big deal has been extremely challenging. And I decided that this would be, with this time around, this was a challenge I was going to accept that I wanted to them to do really good descriptions and I wanted them to do. So it even came down to the fact that I wrote sentences out about a set of swings so they would see if I was going to do it for the swings that we've talked about with all these different how to do dimensions and stuff, this is what I would write. And I just because they needed something concrete to see, which makes me so crazy. I just think how in the world are we are we getting through what we're getting through when they don't even know that the sentences start with capital letter and have endpoints, you know, I just think we're losing something all the way in fourth grade when we still don't understand that. But that's a soapbox for another day. But I did want to mention, I know Wes with his um, doing more documentation online and trying and doing that stuff, the kids do feel more free in that. And it doesn't feel as tedious as just pencil and paper does. And so I'm working, Wes has helped me set up blogs that I haven't touched. So I'm looking into hopefully getting to that before this nine weeks is over. So, well, I'll I'll, talk, I'll throw this into the mix that um, nothing has gotten my kids as excited about showing their parents something than our YouTube channel. And <clears throat> this year we are really publishing more student work to YouTube. We had a big conversation yesterday in multiple classes about why are we scared of putting our work on YouTube, and we talked briefly about what is dangerous online, talking to strangers and meeting them in person, um, that we haven't had us, you know, we're not putting selfies in this ebook, we're not putting phone numbers. Anyway, we, we really brought the digital citizenship conversation in, but it's not just adults that are fearful of sharing work online, it's also students. I have a lot of enthusiasm about it, and I've had a lot of kids, well, I've had more kids, I say a lot, what does that mean? I've had more students than I ever have before say, hey, I showed my mom my video, you know, because of our YouTube channel than 
I've had before with Kid Block or with other things. And with my Makers Club after school, I've been using Remind, it was Remind 101, it's now Remind.com, to just basically send out a quick blast after we have a meeting where I'll try, I haven't done it every time, but publish at least a video or something about what we did, that um, PBS Design Squad, the first um, we did a new. We started a new session. We built penny bridges. They had a penny bridge, you know, mm-hmm. activity. So we took pictures and shared. Anyway, that's been positive from from students as well as from parents. So anyway, I think it's all it's good for us to all continue to work on documenting and you know and, and especially getting the kids to write because I had a lot of kids discover fonts literally for the first time this week doing the ebook. They had not changed fonts. They did not know the word font. So maybe I'm incriminating <laughs> ourselves and everyone's going to be like, oh, my gosh, Oklahoma kids are just in the dark ages. But honestly, we just kids have not had a lot of opportunity um, to do much digital writing and to work with digital text much. So it's good to, to be able to, to do Right. That. I have a, a colleague that is um, – she her accountability question to me and – has always been, um, what's the authentic audience? And, um, and, and I, I'm like, oh, I forget that piece all the time. Um, and sometimes I forget it just because it's, just, it's one more step, but I think it's the most important step uh, because if the students have an authentic audience that where their work is going to be displayed or reviewed or critiqued or whatever, um, what have you, that's going to... Um, fully ramp up their, the students' accountability for doing, you know, a job well done, making sure that they are using, you know, um, great descriptive writing that flows well and has proper, um, you know, punctuation and capitalization and, and all of that. And, um, and teaching students to have pride in their work and in what they're going to publish, it, you know, is, you know, I can tell them, you know, take pride in your work, take pride in your work, but if no one's going to see it except for me, and maybe some of their peers, then there's really not a reason for them to take pride in their work because right. who cares? That's right. So, um, having that authentic audience is is something that I'm always trying to figure out, okay, what can I do? And um, a couple of times this year already I've said, you know, I've you know been looking around and I haven't seen a whole lot of pictures about um, this activity. For example, moon phases was one of them. Um, for my, with my seventh graders, and I was looking on Pinterest, and it seemed like all the Pinterest pictures on moon phases, um, there was something that I could I could critique and say I would do it differently. And so I, um, so none of the pictures. I'm like, I don't like any of these pictures, and I don't want to use any of these pictures for examples for my students. So I told my students and said, Hey, look, if you're doing the, if you can model the moon phases, they were using Oreo cookies. Um, in a way that makes sense to how we've been learning it in the classroom, then I'll post it on my Pinterest page. And so that ramped up. They're like, ooh, you know, our, our work's going to go on Pinterest. And, and so that definitely um, helped them see a purpose for doing the activity other than just practicing the moon phases. So, you know, trying to figure out ways that, um, you know, increasing, can the, increasing the visibility and, and potential distribution of their ideas. Right, right. And now that they know that um, I have, oh, not all, I forget to tell all of the classes, but a couple of classes I know, um, I've told them, okay, I have this blog and I'm, I'm taking pictures um, of your, your um, structures and I'm going to be posting it on my blog. And, and so they're like, oh, okay. And, and I've been doing, um, taking more pictures of their work and their science notebooks. Um, and they're like, why are you taking pictures of of my work. And I'm like, well, because eventually I'm going to blog about it. And I want to, yours is such a good example. I, I want to show that to people. And so then they're like, oh, okay. So, um, so just this last week they had a big, I have them um, draw and design uh, cover pages for each major unit in their science notebook. And so the level of quality that um, I've seen for um, this school year, and then I, the eighth graders that I have this year, most of them I also taught as seventh graders. So just the level of quality in the last year and a half of these eighth graders, and even with the seventh graders now, their quality work of work is increasing because they know it's going to be published, or it, there's a chance for it to be published. Right. And again, that gives them a reason to do well. And um, 
And so I just need to find more ways, <clears throat> excuse me, to do that <clears throat> in all the lessons and, you know, it, especially the design challenges because that's what they're so into anyway. That is so awesome. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left, and I want to follow up some other, with some other questions. But if anybody else wants to post uh, questions into our Q&A, we'll be glad to field them, and they don't have to follow, you know, just logically on what we've been talking about so far. If you want to throw any other questions at us, we'll try to field those. Um, it strikes me that we're all on this journey, right, with this sharing online, with getting kids to, and also with the headspace of how we feel about sharing and how kids feel about it and how parents. So I'm just thrilled, Bethany, that you're, you know, sharing some of the des those design challenges and just what you were talking about as far as how the kids, they didn't even have to have their own site, but if they knew that you as the teacher were sharing it, I mean, because sometimes we feel so overwhelmed that there's, I can't just do it all, you know, and, and we're frozen. So... It, baby steps, and I think that the, the, the engineering design challenges you've been sharing have multiple layers of benefit. One that you just described was for your own kids who are now elevating their quality of work and, and some of their attention to detail and all that, but it also is now this link that I'm going to use and that Amy could use and that we can point others to as well, you know, as far as those ideas, and I think helping more teachers, you know, participate in the sharing economy of the web with, with lesson ideas and then bringing our students along is just such a, such a positive thing. So yay, <laughs> yay sharing. Do you have any questions you want to throw at us? Or Amy, do you have any questions as we kind of wrap up? We've got about nine more minutes. I think we're pretty good. Um, I've enjoyed getting to visit with you, Bethany, and hear some of the stuff that you were doing because um, I, I, there's a lot of stuff that we are doing um, that is similar and it's nice to know that there is people in the upper, in the secondary part that are doing things to engage kids and make it fun for them still, too. So. Right. Well, I've just been, you know, hearing you talk, um, I'm jealous that your students have a STEM specials class um, mm -hmm. where, you know, you as a teacher, I mean, this is what you get to do, you know, Monday through Friday, where, you know, and I was just like, that would be so much fun <laughs> to, um, yeah. to, you know, figure out how, how that might be done. In, um, at, at our secondary level. So, yeah. Here's a question, and I guess we kind of should have started with this at the beginning, but um, from your perspective, Bethany, what, what do you see as STEM? How do you explain STEM to parents? Uh, what's sort of your elevator talk about, you know, summarizing what STEM is? Um, and how do, how, do you, how do you see it fitting in? You've already talked about the sum with engineering design and stuff, but how does this fit into what you do as a, quote, regular science teacher? Um, to me, STEM is just how do you make science applicable to daily life, and it's using the what you're learning in science, what you're learning in math, and using engineering and technology to um, to accomplish some kind of goal. And uh, and as a teacher of junior high students, it's like I was saying at the beginning of the program is just practicing their creativity and their persistence, mm. um, and just giving them quick little challenges to, um, to test that ability and to, you know, how well can they collaborate with their peers and how well can they brainstorm and, you know, problems to different, or solutions to different problems. Um, and so that's what it means to me at the level that I'm teaching and, and to, with the amount of, ex or lack of exposure that some students have to, um, to building things and making things. So uh, if I were at a different level with students that had greater exposure, it would be something I'm sure much more um, thorough and, and detailed. But at this point, this is where my students are at. So this is that's kind of how I would describe it in um, in my classroom. Do you all have a STEM emphasis um, in your district or in the state of Arizona, or how? Yeah, there are some. Yeah, there are some schools that are designated as STEM schools. And um, we are not one of them. Uh, we do have a tech club teacher where she is uh, working with students. They have stuff on the Chromebooks and iPads. And um, she recently found an old set of robotic um, materials. And so she's having students kind of tinker around with that a little bit. Um, but within our district, we do not have a, a quote-unquote STEM school. Um, it's, you know, the different teachers that are using, you know, 
class time to, to implement some of those skills. Right. But that's the best thing about STEM, I think, is it's an encouragement to, you know, make learning more meaningful and context-filled mm -hmm. than it may have otherwise been. Hmm. So I think it's... Well, and I think even just as an anecdote from one of my students the other day, he didn't have, we have one school that feeds into my school that has STEM at the lower elementary at K3, um, but this student did not come from that school, and he was telling me, he's like, I didn't know what STEM was, Ms. Leffold. I said, okay, and he said, no, I didn't know that it was going to be, I thought it was just math, and I don't like math, and I said, well, buddy, we did math, you know, we just did all that math with our playground unit, and he's like, I know, but he said, I just thought maybe it was going to be like a gifted program. And I said, well, we do gifted stuff in here. I said, we just get to do it with everybody in the school. And he was like, I know, I just love this class so much. And I said, I do too, buddy. So it just, you know, that's why we do what we do is because we are blessed to have access to so many kids. And we really do change. We change a lot of their perceptions about that they hate math or that they hate science because they've never had it be fun before. Right. Uh, that that reminds me of a story too that was from this the last week or two where one of my fourth grade girls we were we were talking about the perimeter and reminding you know adding the sides because everybody wants to multiply the sides that's what everybody thinks you do no it's not the rim it's the perimeter and all that and <clears throat> I'm on the whiteboard you know drawing and she said hey you're doing math and it was this accusation <laughs> you know, what do you, that's what we do in you know yeah. this closed room and I said. And then I listen right up here. But look, what does it say? It's what it says STEM, you know. So that's what we're using it. And so anyway, it was this this moment of cognitive dissonance for the child where she was like, "Wait a minute, you're making us do math." But we're anyway, they hadn't exactly. seen it as that's part of what we're doing. But I was like, "Yes, it's good." Anyway. Right. Well, I tell my students the only reason why they bother to learn math is so that they can do science. So <laughs> that's a good quote. That's the only reason why you go to that class, so you can do well in my class. That's right. right. Well, I think something, that, yeah, something that I was just going to say that has, has been kind of a great thing for me this year, too, is uh, starting a STEM club. Of course, Wes has already had his Makers Club. But when I took applications, I had a lot more girls apply for mine than boys. And oh, so cool. I'm actually going to get to do an all-girls session. Um, I'm doing an all-boys session after Christmas, and hopefully I survive. And then I'm going to do an all-girls session because it's a several boys that I may or may not have chosen to spend time with after school in a normal way. <laughs> but I know that these are boys who will live and breathe STEM and who would get so much out of having that after school, that hour that we're going to spend together one time a week for eight weeks. They are just already just foaming, just waiting, just, oh, please, is it going to start yet? And um, I think for me, one of the biggest compliments that I've had so far is the kiddos that are in my STEM club right now are begging to get into the other two sessions. And just, mm -hmm. are you sure that I can't get into the other sessions? I'm like, no, because then it's not going to be a small group and that defeats the whole purpose. Exactly. You know? That's key. And, that's what, and I said, I love that you guys have been here and you've been my guinea pig group and we've done so much cool stuff. I said, but at the same time, I just, I want those other kiddos to have that same opportunity to be in the small group. But yeah. I love I love that being a female teacher in this profession, I'm turning, you know, kids, period, on to wanting to learn science and math, but also especially having that positive impact on girls because, unfortunately, we lose a lot of girls at this age that think math and science is boring and they don't want to go into it. So right. I'm glad that I can be there to kind of open that door and keep them going on that trajectory. So Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, let's tell everybody how they can get in, in touch with us as far as electronically uh, online. And uh, Peggy George had put into our Q&A the uh, Classroom 2.0 link uh, to the technology integration in junior high school, which was, I think, a November 1st Classroom 2.0 Live. So if anybody's stayed with us the whole time, whether it's live or on the recording, you can definitely check out that video as well. So, Amy, where can people get in touch with you digitally? Do you want me to spell my name on the, on the webcast? <laughs> no, well, I mean... No, you'll put it in the show, right? We'll put it in the links. Yeah, yeah you put it in the links. But you can contact me. My school email is um, amy.leffelholtz, and I won't try to spell that for you, but Wes will put it in the showcase. And then I'm also on Twitter at LESTEM. And I'm trying to do a much better job 
of putting stuff on there. And I also have an at Amy Leffelholtz on Twitter, but I'm sure Wes will put all of that Leffelholtz thing into the showcase so you won't have to spell it here. So That's right. That's right. And how about you, Bethany? You've got your uh, new blog. Yes. So I have my new blog, um, Outstanding in the Middle, um, Blogspot. Um, and then um, also Twitter, which you thank you for, you know, uh, including me on your tweets, but um, at AJ Gal, or Science Gal. And um, my school email is just bligan at goaj.org. So if people have questions that they want to direct to me, they can tweet me or email me, however is best. Okay, awesome. And I'm W. Fryer on Twitter, and our STEM site is stem.westfryer.com. So we've covered far less curriculum this year, but we've done that Maker Studio thing, and overall I think it's it's been a good it's been a good shift. So, and if you want to, you can check. We, the, I, I didn't mention this, but with our eBooks to this year, we po- we posted those to YouTube because Book Creator now lets you export as a video, and and I'll, we can talk about it more later too, Amy. But I I actually showed my kids how to use YouTube Capture and to directly upload their videos from their iPads into the YouTube channel. So okay. that the benefit of using I still can't yeah, get around the filter. I, I had to bypass the filter. It was I had okay. Yeah, it was all those clicks. That's mm-hmm. right. Anyway, if others are struggling with those issues, you know, let us know what you're doing for your workaround. But it it did it was better than having it was better than the alternative. So I still need to make some good anchor charts that have step by step because it's amazing how you'll tell kids these steps and then okay guys start <laughs> and it's like. What do I do? No, we're doing. Yes. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much, and uh, happy uh, holiday Thanksgiving for next week. Everyone travel safe. Bethany, are you going to stay in Arizona? or You're already in the land of the eternal sun, so you don't have to travel anywhere. Right. My family's in town, so we're just going to spend time together. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to continue to connect with connecting with you and learning from you, and I'm going to do some of your engineering challenges uh, probably before Christmas, so it's going to be cool. All right. Thanks. Thank Thank you. you.